0: This is Yoga Chit Chat. Hi, Karik. Hi, Phoebe. Today, we are talking about a pretty big idea, maybe the biggest. The question for today is, what is consciousness? Karik, what is consciousness?
1: So the Sanskrit word that we use most often is chit, C-H-I-T, or chitta, and... We can we can define it in a couple of different ways so i think of consciousness as being really everything so everything is consciousness everything in the universe is consciousness um, consciousness is the creator of all things in the universe and consciousness is simultaneously everything in the universe so it's both the creator and the material so like consciousness is the stuff of the universe
0: okay that's a good start
1: it's big so it's it's like it's the the, it's the definition of everything so it's it's a really big definition it's sometimes hard to get my head wrapped around it um i think one of the questions for me then is like why why is the universe made of consciousness you know or why is consciousness this big concept in yoga why couldn't the universe be made of light? Or why couldn't the universe be made of energy? Why, who decided that the universe was made of consciousness is kind of what goes through my mind, is kind of the question that I've been asking myself for the longest time.
0: My big question, and we've been talking about this for about a week now, my big question is, is there a universe without consciousness? And this kind of goes back to that old question, if a tree falls down in the forest and nobody sees or hears it, does it really happen? And so my question is, if a universe exists but no one sees or experiences it or is conscious of it, does it really exist? And that's what begins to tie my head up into philosophical knots.
1: I understand. So, And, and I agree. I think that... Part of why we characterize everything as consciousness is that it makes it matter more. There's, there's a reason, there's an intelligence, there's there's an experience. Without consciousness, like, like you said, there is no experience of the tree falling. There is no experience of the universe. And then if there's no experience of the universe, then to me, it's sort of meaningless. So consciousness to me gives, it implies purpose, it implies intention, it implies meaning.
0: Looking at one of the definitions I found online of consciousness, it says that consciousness is the state of being awake and aware of one's surroundings. And this sort of addresses my question, which is that consciousness is the experience of perception and awareness. So then if there is a universe that is never experienced, then it doesn't exist by this definition. So, and then another definition I found was the fact of awareness by the mind of itself and the world. And that to me is really just self-awareness. So then consciousness implies this awareness of the awareness.
1: Mm-hmm. I think that. So, what the conclusion that I've come to very recently is that um, everything is consciousness, not because someone decided that, oh, we're going to make everything in the universe be constructed of this material called consciousness. Um, nobody decided. It just is. It just is that way. Um, everything is consciousness because that is the nature of the universe so nobody decided we just have discovered that that's what it is that's what the universe is made of um it would be like saying who who decided that the sun is hot right nobody decided the sun just is hot or the sun is made of these you know superheated gases no no one decided that the sun was that we we just have discovered and we've learned that This is the nature of the sun. And then, so this is the nature of the universe. This is the nature of consciousness.
0: Yeah, this touches on this idea of consciousness manifesting as different objects in different densities in the universe. So everything, absolutely everything in the universe is just a different form or manifestation of consciousness everything from the sun to the microphones that we're speaking into to the air and and things that we can't see. So consciousness is is everything and then it it manifests in material form and then the way that we are able to so that so the form is consciousness and then the way that we perceive the form is also consciousness. So both me being able to see the coffee in front of me and the coffee are both consciousness, which is where this starts to turn into sort of a, a philosophical spiral. So what is conscious? What is consciousness not?
1: In the philosophy that we study, in the, the tantric philosophy, Consciousness is everything. So there's not anything that's not consciousness. So in the, um, The Splendor of Recognition, which is a book that you and I uh, often read and refer to. um, The Splendor of Recognition is an exposition of the Pratibhinyah Hradayam, which is a, it's a text um, on the, the science of the soul or the science of consciousness. And the the first sutra, there's only 20, um, the first sutra is consciousness in her freedom brings about the attainment of the universe. So consciousness with a big C, meaning the one divine consciousness, uh, creates everything in the universe. And then in the second verse, um, by the power of her own will, she unfolds the universe upon a part of herself. And what this says to me is that she, she consciousness, um, unfolds the universe upon a part of herself, so she is the universe, and everything in the universe is her. So when we ask like, what is consciousness not? Well, nothing, because she is everything. Consciousness is everything. Um, you mentioned consciousness in different densities, so we account for everything in the universe being consciousness, and the the way that we. The way that we account for diversity is uh, consciousness can contract and divide and subdivide and fold and unfold and take on different forms, including you and me. So uh, I don't think we've said this yet, but you and I are consciousness too. Um, And we can think of ourselves as being consciousness in on different levels. So our bodies, for example. Would be probably the most dense form of consciousness, very solid material. And our minds are a little less um, dense, more fluid. Um, our thoughts can change and shift uh, very rapidly. And then, even beyond the body and the mind, we have something that we would call spirit or true self or um, awareness. Uh, something inside, our, our, our little c consciousness um, inside. And then those are just different densities. I think of it like um, water can be ice, which would be like our bodies. And then water is like the fluidity of the mind. And then water can turn into steam or vapor. And that's more the, the least tangible, the least dense, which is like our hearts, our spirits.
0: Right. Yes. So this is interesting. This is referring to all of the different densities of consciousness. And so when we think about our thoughts or our dreams, those are much lighter than our actual form. And that's why we're able to think rapidly or have dreams of something really crazy happening and and maybe something really negative happening. But then when we wake up, we're able to still go about our day because it's, whatever happened in our dream is less dense. So it's a, it's a much more light, fluid form of consciousness. And then what what's interesting to me is to think about the forms of consciousness that we can't see or perceive through our five senses. And this gets into a conversation about energy and, or what others may call the metaphysical. And it's, It's kind of like, I've seen it, I read recently that the metaphysical is kind of like before people discovered bacteria. It was something that people couldn't see, but that was clearly having impact on people as people were eating things and getting sick. And then once they figured out that bacteria existed, then it became more well, it didn't become more dense, but it became more dense in our understanding of it.
1: more almost like it crystallized as something yes, real.
0: Exactly. And so I think that's that's kind of the way I think about energy. So maybe in in yoga classes or um, in other forms of the healing arts, Um, we can look at consciousness also manifesting in forms that we can't perceive through our five senses, but it it may be referred to sometimes as vibes. You know, when you walk into a room and you get an uneasy feeling or um, you're talking to a friend and even though they say nothing is wrong. You can tell by the tone of their voice or by some sort of fear that something is off with them. And so these are the the much lighter manifestations of consciousness. So there is a spectrum um, of consciousness as being dense, like our human form, and then going all the way up into things that we can't perceive, but can begin to perceive by first believing that they exist okay
1: just going back to your comment about experience and how consciousness and awareness is key to the existence of the universe that there's an experience and we characterize consciousness as this I don't want to say entity but um this spirit or force, this divine energy that really does seek to experience everything. So the one spirit, the one consciousness um, divides and subdivides and creates and destroys and creates again and becomes you and me and everything in the whole universe as a way of experiencing herself. And so the nature of consciousness is to experience and we, as the individuals in the universe, um, I'm going to read one more, um, of the sutras, uh, sutra four is even the individual whose nature is consciousness in a contracted state embodies the universe in a contracted form. And I love this sutra because it's saying that we, are consciousness, we're just, uh, condensed contracted form of the one spirit so we are no less in quality we're just smaller in quantity Um, and then if the one consciousness if her desire is to experience herself as much as possible through the universe then our essential nature is experience as well like so what are we doing here on earth well we're here to experience ourselves and and the world, um, so that consciousness experiences herself through our experience. And so this this is a huge um, philosophical concept uh, that ties into our yoga. So when we are practicing on the mat and we're we're working hard and doing these crazy poses, yes, we're doing it for health and well being and all those things, but We're also doing it just to experience life and to expand our our awareness, expand our consciousness.
0: Right. I love the way that this dovetails into why yoga and why yoga is beneficial to us. So some people understand yoga as something you do to stretch out or work out. And then there's also this notion of yoga as a way of experiencing yourself. And when you think about it, the only equipment quote unquote on your mat is yourself right you might have a couple of blocks or a blanket but let's let's pretend those are (laughs) on to the side so the only equipment that you need for yoga is yourself and the reason for that is that you are both facilitating the experience and experiencing the effects of the experience Mm. and in this way we are this contracted version of the universe this form of the universe that's doing the exact same thing, and that's why yoga feels good, is because we are aligning with our true nature as a microcosm of the macrocosm of the universe. So the universe's desire is to experience itself, just like our desire is to experience ourselves. And when people begin to move away from experiencing themselves, that's when they start to move out of alignment, when they get really caught up in, um, in what other people are thinking or doing, when they get disconnected through various types of addiction. And that can be through toxic substances or it can be really through anything that takes them away from the experience of themselves. And so that's why addiction or, or habits that don't support introspection or self-study begin to harm us it's just a really simple answer. We're just not acting enough like the universe. And so we talked about this last time. Yoga is just a practice of acting more like the universe, which I think is a really cool way to conceive of yoga.
1: So very much of what we're teaching on the mat in yoga is to experience the self right to have this inner experience and it's facilitated by yoga by something very external by something very physical but the idea is to find consciousness awareness even joy happiness from inside not from some external thing so in some ways even the yoga can be the addiction yoga could If you're if you're just going to yoga to feel some kind of physical yoga high that comes from doing some crazy backbend or being upside down or something, then that's focused on more of an external. Really, yoga is like the trigger to experience that inner joy or that inner self um, more clearly.
0: Yeah, so this touches on um, one of the qualities of the universe, which is a Sanskrit word, Parnatva. And I've been teaching this all week, so I have had the luxury of being able to kind of understand it as I speak it. And Parnatva means fullness, perfection, wholeness. And um, this is one of the qualities of the universe and one of the qualities of ourselves. And it's been really fun for me to teach and, and think about because if we are a microcosm of the universe, then we are full. We already have everything that we need. And then when you think about the way that we've been raised, the way that um, certain societal and cultural structures teach us, we've kind of been taught that we're incomplete. We're taught that we need um, a certain type of education, a certain type of relationship, a certain type of job, certain interests and habits. And all of those things are neutral. I'm not saying that we do or don't need any of them, but we've sort of been taught in various ways that we need something to become whole. You even think of the old adage about relationships that it's two halves making a whole. And I think this is sort of incorrect. We, in relationships, you're two holes making like a supernova or something like that or that's at least how i think it should be so this idea of pranatva of fullness or perfection begins to kind of run counter to a lot of things Mm. that we believe and why i believe as humans we've become disconnected and separated because we think that the universal principles don't apply to us even though we very clearly came Of the universe. We are little bits of the universe contracted into these forms. So I personally get a lot of sort of reassurance out of realizing that we are a universe because all of the principles apply. The universe contains the polarities of darkness and light and east and west and and, and everything, all opposites, just like we do. Which is why in our human experience, it, it feels better to experience the whole spectrum of experience and emotions versus staying sort of in this middle baseline place. Mm. And that for me is a huge intention for why I teach yoga. I'm not worried about, I'm less worried about the people who are really sad or really happy. I'm more concerned about the people who are kind of at this kind of scary median in their lives and mm. they don't go too high or too low. Does this um, tie into your intentions for teaching yoga at all?
1: Absolutely. So when when I teach, it's not yoga where I allow students to just sort of half-ass the pose, you know, to, to just sort of try. Um, my intention is for every student to experience every pose as fully as possible. Now, that doesn't mean that they're sweating bullets or um, working so hard that uh, they're, they're shaking on the mat. Um, experiencing a pose fully could be resting fully in child's pose or in shavasana. But the intention is really to experience each pose um, in so the another translation for pranatva is perfection. And so having a perfect moment um, is, is by definition full. So fullness and perfection are, it's the same word pranatva and, and I love that. So my intention for students is to have this perfect moment in each pose where they experience the pose as much as they can in, in that moment. In addition to pranatva, we give the, the divine one consciousness Um, several other attributes and again for the longest time I would think like well who decided that these are attributes of the one consciousness and what I've really realized is that it's it's not that anybody decided or put these attributes on consciousness these are just the attributes of consciousness so if we study consciousness we discover that oh this is what consciousness is so um this is not um a completely comprehensive list, but these are some of the attributes of Supreme Consciousness that we use in Anusara. Um, so consciousness is satya, which is um, truth or reality. So consciousness is real, which is great because it would be it would be terrible if everything that we taught our students was an illusion or was a lie. So um, consciousness is is truth, reality. Um, Consciousness is aware, and we've talked about that quite a bit. Consciousness is ananda, which means um, it means bliss or like inner joy or true joy or ultimate happiness. Um, Consciousness is Shri, which means auspiciousness or divine beauty is a way I like to describe it. Consciousness is freedom, swatantriya. Consciousness is pranava, fullness, or perfection. And then, which really to me implies like lacking nothing. And, and you touched on that quite a bit too. So we're not missing anything. We don't need to be whole from from doing something or we don't need to be fixed. We we have what we need inside. That's pranava, And then the last one is spanda. So um, consciousness pulses. Spanda means pulsation. And, you know, so we recognize that we're not always going to be happy. The it's not always going to be a bright sunny day outside. Consciousness has a pulsation. There are there's a darkness that balances the light. There um, we're not always going to be in our most expanded state. There's going to be moments where we contract. So then, if you if you think about all of these um, attributes of the divine, of the one consciousness, I think that these are all attributes like. The proof to me is that we all experience these attributes because we are consciousness and we all want to experience these attributes more. So everyone wants to experience reality and not be lied to. Everybody wants to be more and more aware. We want to learn and grow as human beings. Everyone wants to be happy, to be blissful in life. We all, we all want to be awesome. So Shri, we all want to be, you know, experience divine beauty in our lives. Um, Swatandri is freedom. We, we all want to feel free. Nobody wants to feel trapped or bound. We, we, we desire freedom. Um, we, we desire this pulsation, this back and forth. Like we can't always be on the high. We can't always be in a low state. Um, we, we need and desire the pulsation of life, and we all want to feel full. So I think that those attributes of supreme consciousness are, to me, the proof is that we, this is what we want, and it's in our nature to want these things and to desire these things because our nature is just a smaller version of the one consciousness.
0: Yeah, the thing I want to highlight from that is this idea of sponda or pulsation. And to bring this conversation kind of back down onto Earth, um, I love the idea of sponda because everything is a pulsation. It's a pulsation between darkness and light, between day and night, between wakefulness and sleep. And sometimes we can get really hard on ourselves when we're acting in the ways of pulsation. So we're not always going to be happy. We're not always going to succeed. We're not always going to get the yoga pose. And so remembering that we need the failure of a yoga pose to then experience the success of it is one of the things that reminds me of how lucky we are to have the pulsation, to have the polarities. If there was no light, or if rather if there was no darkness then we wouldn't appreciate the light if there was no pain then we wouldn't know the feeling of relief and and then to take this a little bit deeper you know i think one of the the hardest elements of the human experience is to really come to terms with suffering right so our own suffering suffering of our loved ones suffering in the world but we also have to remember that suffering is just one end of the spectrum that then makes us appreciate joy um, ananda lack of suffering and so as hard as it is to to take in the suffering the universal suffering we also have to remember that that is there in the same way that darkness is there in the same way that um, winter is there so that we can appreciate the opposite
1: right exactly i we have to remember that the one consciousness desires to experience herself in in all ways so if if the one consciousness only experienced let, let's just use the dichotomy of light and dark only experience light and never experience dark then she would only experience like half of the spectrum right and so as we experience our lives if we only experience life or now you can maybe even take it to good and bad or happiness and suffering if you only ever experience happiness and you never experienced sadness then you would only experience half of everything and and granted sadness and happiness are on a spectrum it's not one or the other um but in in the tantric philosophy we also recognize that there are times where it is appropriate and it's i'm gonna use air quotes around good but there are times when it's good to experience anger or sadness there are very appropriate times when we you know we we should be certain things in the world should make us angry like we need to feel anger we need to be angered at injustice and um, things that are not right. Um, we need to feel sadness when when something is lost in, in our lives, be it a person or a job. Um, and so we, we need the spanda, we need the pulsation, we need to experience both ends of the spectrum. We might not always like it, but it's, it's part of the human experience, and and our human experience is really just a reflection of the bigger experience of, of the universe.
0: So remember the next time that you have messed up a yoga pose or messed up anything in your life, that all that is showing you is one end of a spectrum of experience. And I think the more depth of one side of experience that you feel, the more depth that you're able to experience on the other side of the spectrum. So in other words, if you really fall out of a pose and, and you know really dramatically flip out of handstand or something, then all that's doing is making the depth of that experience such that when you do make it up to handstand, you feel joy, you feel bliss in a way that maybe you wouldn't if it came more easily to you. So may we continue to embrace ourselves as universal beings and remember that we are not exempt from the, the rules of the universe. This is who we are. This is our mm-hmm. ultimate identity and that we're here to experience.
1: Just one last quick topic, Phoebe, um, just jumping on what your, your last statement that we are here to experience and the question in yoga is, um, like, who is experiencing? And we can talk about consciousness, the big C consciousness. Consciousness is the one universe, universal consciousness. And we can talk about little c consciousness, like my consciousness, your consciousness, your awareness, my awareness. and there's this observer um, who is the, the awareness so many times what we're doing in in the yoga practice is um, experiencing or observing connecting with this awareness inside that goes beyond just sensing things with our bodies or even um, running things through in our minds so it goes beyond physical or mental we have this spiritual state or spiritual part of us and granted it's all consciousness we just earlier said that consciousness is everything even our bodies and our minds just in different densities but we're we're all used to experiencing the world very physically because our bodies are what we use to experience the world and then we all have this running monologue or
0: narrator narrator in our
1: heads thank you um this narration in our heads that tells our story and the part of us that's probably the most challenging to experience is that observer our consciousness and in yoga we call it everything from the true self or the inner self um awareness consciousness um and so we're we're often trying to experience the world from that highest vantage point um, and you and I have talked about it as like almost imagining that we could take a step back outside of our, our bodies and it would be like a drone camera uh, just a little bit up and back behind us observing and um, so you have this this higher view of life and if we can take a step back sometimes and, and get that, that higher view, um, it'll take us out of our, our stress and pains of um, our physical bodies and, and our mental stress, and we, we take that highest point of view just like the universe is observing and um, experiencing everything from the highest place.
0: Yeah, we I remember talking about this and. In- this to me made things, practices like meditation, practices like journaling, practices like being in nature, make a lot of sense to me because those things feel good and are good for you because they're they're kind of allowing that that camera or drone over your shoulder to um, to come forth versus being distracted. And, and so we talked a little bit about this, but journaling to me, when you really think about it, is a little bit trippy because who's writing and who's reading?
1: Mm-hmm.
0: That's, uh, and that's kind of the idea, but it, what it's doing is it's, it's sort of panning out, so to speak, such that we can write down our experience and then look at it so in that so if if anyone who listens journals that's that's kind of what you're doing in the same way when you're meditating you're observing yourself Mm -hmm. in the same way when you're you know in nature and you're not distracted by by um sort of man-made things all of those things are consciousness as well i guess um and that's why it's such a pleasurable experience so all of these different things that people use. And, and it can be those things, or really it can be any sort of ritual that just kind of brings you into the moment, brings you into experience. And this seems to be kind of the root of a lot of different relig- religions and cultural practices. No matter how weird the actual practice is, it's simply an experience of coming into the moment and experiencing yourself in that experience.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: So, chicks. Oh, (laughs) chit. There is so much more to talk about when it comes to chit or consciousness. um, But for now, just consider, consider the ways that you can act a little bit more like the universe on your mat and in your life. And see if that lands for you. We'll see you next time.
1: Thanks for listening.